live on Joy 99.7 FM. This is News Night. In the next 60 minutes, henceforth, no new road contracts will be awarded. Position of Cocoa Board Board Chair, as he admits, the industry regulator isn't in good standing, insisting the decision is part of a comprehensive strategy to revive the fortunes of the company. And then I will say, henceforth, no more road contracts. That's the way you should look at it. But you cannot abrogate a contract which is about 80-85% complete. We have details as the company rejects demands for farmers to directly sell their cocoa beans to buyers. Also tonight, a dire warning from Guta that so many businesses are on the verge of collapse and will collapse if government does not immediately review what they call obnoxious taxes in the 2024 budget. Ghanaian businesses are, again, saddled with numerous taxes. So if you, you, you add up all these problems, it means that um, Ghanaian businesses are on the verge of um, folding up and uh, being collapsed. We have details as they outline some of the taxes they want removed immediately. 1% COVID um, levy uh, to be removed. We also talk about the special import um, uh, levy of 2% um, that has been um, imposed on us um, since the previous administration and all that. We also are talking about the VAT. Also tonight's guard, traditional council insists shops must remain closed for at least 24 hours ahead of the final funeral rites of the late Queen Mother of the Gas State, Nadede Omaidro III. The funeral will proceed full steam on Saturday, 28th October 2023. All commercial activities within Greater Accra will be suspended. We have details as the council insists there's no curfew in place today. We have business. And banks fear the proposed eurobond debt restructuring could impact badly on the operations. Also tonight, the plea of a grieving mother for an explanation about circumstances leading to the tragic death of a 19-year-old second-year law student at the Wim Polyclinic in Cape Coast. Who, who even instructed that medicine? Well, we're not there for injection. Only for them to declare him dead. We also have our stories of hope tonight, and then we'll take you to Liberia. The results of the 10th October 2023 polls show that the ticket of the Congress of Democratic Change, CDC, obtained the highest number of votes. Political campaign for the 14th November runoff election. So Liberia's presidential polls heads to a runoff after leading candidates failed to secure a 50-plus-1 vote, even though incumbent George Weir secured 43.83% of the votes cast. That and more in tonight's edition of Newsnight. Please do well to join us with your thoughts and your comments. is via WhatsApp 55 Also on all our social media platforms. We're also live on myjoyonline.com. I am MFA Apau. And my name is Evan Spencer. We start tonight with the troubles of Cocoa Board MF and Cocoa Board would not award new road contracts henceforth. That's according to board chairman of Cocoa Board, Peter McMenu, who revealed it's part of a comprehensive strategy to revive the fortunes of the Cocoa Regulator. Now, this comes on the heels of claims by former Minister for Food, Agriculture and Cocoa Affairs, Dr. Uusefri Yakoto, that for six years he struggled but to no avail to restructure the finances of Cocoa Board, which he says had gone completely out of hand. He spoke exclusively to my colleague, Elton Brobe that we've had with the farmers to increase their productivity in terms of yields and so on is very clear. We, we, we cannot obviously, we can't talk about agriculture without bringing in one of the key pillars in terms of our export, cocoa. The finance minister last week in an interview said that they've set up a index 
together with Bank of Ghana to supervise the finances of Cocoa Board and use the word to ensure discipline. Cocoa Boards need to be back on a sound footing. How does it come to you? Well, I, I didn't want to make a comment on it, what he said. But I don't understand. The Minister of Finance, Minister for Food and Agriculture, Minister for Trade and Industry, and the Governor are on the board. It's only the Governor himself who goes to the board directly. All these three portfolios, Deputy Ministers are there reporting to them. So what is new? He's there on the board. So what is new? Setting up a desk? I mean, the kind of things that he's talking about, discipline and so on, uh, you'll be amazed at the amount of time I spent trying to, to, to straighten Cocoa Board and, and all of that, you know, in terms of their, their expenditures and, and all of that, which has gone totally out of hand, you know, and uh, to, to the detriment of the farmer, because if Cocoa Board is not spending money wisely and is going on about oh, we are supplying subsidized inputs to the farmers and so on, and they are not getting value for money, mm. then ultimately you cannot pay the farmers more than what you can pay. So ultimately the farmers will have to pay for, 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 for the, these inefficiencies and, and so on. And it really distracts from the, the financial benefits of, of growing cocoa. Mm. Well, we'll get to hear uh, from the board chairman shortly. Uh, we'll also explore the state of Ghana Cocoa Board today. Uh, my colleague Kofiji uh, will join us shortly uh, with the standing of um, Cocoa Board assistance now. But board chair of Cocoa Board, Peter McMain, has been explaining that some factors accounted for the current state of Cocoa Board. Uh, take a listen. Well, Cocoa Board is not in good standing, but there's been a turnaround strategy, which for me, and look, looking at the current global prices, is yielding results and is going to yield much better results. You have to look at the historical, you have to look at your question from a historical perspective of where Cocoa Board is coming from as far as the global pricing is concerned. Because since uh, 2017, global prices of cocoa has gone down, has plummeted. And since April this year, it started rising started rising. So it gives some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. And productivity enhancement programs instituted by the current administration has also increased the yield. So, so Cocoa Board is turning around. Well, you know, one of the biggest line items for Cocoa, Cocoa Board itself and for many communities in Cocoa Green areas is what is called Cocoa, Cocoa Roads. Roads. Yes, uh, we're learning from the board chair now that those contracts will no longer happen. Some people are questioning, but some people are happy and we have to strike a balance. For me, Cocoa Board must focus on its core business. Nevertheless, the roads that they have initiated have been appreciated by the cocoa farmers themselves. Okay, mm. but if you leave it to me, I will say focus on your core business. Let the Ministry of Roads and Transport also do their roads. But it has it hasn't happened that way. It doesn't mean that the roads are not necessary for 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 haulage and transportation of cocoa. Cocoa are in the hinterland and they need to be transported to Tema, Takrade, and Kumasi. So much as I appreciate that. 
cocoa board must focus on their uh, core business. Nevertheless, it's something that has started over the years. Some contracts are in the pipeline, some of them 80-85% completed cocoa contract, uh, roads contract. Mm. So we have to finish up with that. And then I will say, henceforth, no more road contracts. That's the way you should look at it. But you cannot abrogate a contract which is about 80-85% complete. Okay, But new ones are not going to come on. That is your, your, your position or is a suggestion? Oh, that is the position, the, 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 the current position. All right. That's the current position. And the details he articulates that it's part of the our agreement, the government's agreement with the IMF to restructure Cocoa Board and deal with the losses that they've been uh, leaking over the years. And my colleague with the research desk, Kofi J joins us in the studio with more as we look at the numbers that tell the Cocoa Board story. Uh, Kofi, what do we know from these numbers? Well, Evans, let's start with Cocoa Board's fiscal position. So the last time Cocoa Board made a profit was 2015. And since then, they have made losses for six consecutive years. That's from 2016 to 2021. Cocoa Boss' annual loss has moved from less than 200 million Ghana CDs in 2016 to now 2.4 billion CDs in 2021. Between 2012 and 2021 events, Cocoa Board has made losses amounting to 5.1 billion CDs. Profits, however, in the same period was just around 481 million CDs events. What about production? What's it looking like? So we've been looking at the numbers, and in just uh, the ended season, uh, Ghana lost around 150 metric tons of cocoa beans to smuggling and then galamse. And Ivory Coast remains top grower of cocoa with 2.2 million tons a year. Ghana is, however, lagging behind second uh, with about uh, 75,000 uh, you know tons and. What we are learning is that currently Ghana is facing tough competition from Ecuador and Brazil, both of which are working hard to improve their production per year. Hmm. Well, so I thank you very much, uh, Kofi, for giving us um, the details of these figures. I know you'll be back uh, with other figures for other stories, but we've been also hearing from the president of the Con Concerned Cocoa Farmers Association, Anabwa Timbunso, uh, for him, because of the figures and the uh, current state of the cocoa board, he's calling for a dissolution. According to him, the time is right for cocoa farmers to sell their produce directly uh, to the buyer since cocoa board has failed in its duties in the interest of the Ghanaian cocoa farmer. What is the finance minister coming to do? At the end of the day, uh, we gave you the whole country just to take care of it and what happened. So uh, Cocoa Board itself, it, 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 it is a, a collapsed institution that has collapsed already. We know it and we foresee it. We said it several times, but they never listen. At the end of the day, as a cocoa farmer, I can sell my cocoa directly to the buyer to make my money rather than relying on the government. The government have nothing better to offer the government. As I'm speaking to you, a lot of people, millions of people want to cut down their cocoa tree, want to shift from cocoa to a different crop, all because they've seen that they have been enslaved for so many years. What is Ken Oferata coming to do? He was the finance minister, and what happened? The industry has collapsed. So they should allow with the cocoa farmers eat directly, sell our cocoa produce to make our money. Because other countries are doing it. They sell their cocoa on their own. Why is it that what interest? Is government so much interested in that he cannot even allow with the farmers to sell our produce than for him to sell it for us? Then it means he's getting more. We don't need Kenoferata 
and even we don't even need the wine, eight and other things. At the end of the day, they've caused a financial loss to the state, which they have to pay for. And today, MFA, we've been hearing from the Deputy Chief Executive Officer in charge of Finance and Administration of Cocoa Board, Ray Ankara, who says the calls are misplaced. No, I don't. I don't actually. I don't know where this farmer is coming from, but I will. I will encourage you to talk to as many farmers as possible. He, you know, whoever said it is entitled to his or her own opinion. But I can also bring you many, many farmers who are very happy with the work that Ghana Cocoa Board is doing in terms of producing seedlings, helping them building roads in their area so that they can evacuate their fertilizers. So you disagree with the farmers when they say they want to sell their produce directly to the buyers? That is the structure of how Cocoa Board is, is, is organized. And I, I don't think I can speak to that right now. I don't think it would be in the best interest of Cocoa Farmers for that to happen. Because, look, one of the things we do as Cocoa Board is it is an integrated service. If you look at the pre-harvest side, if you look at the things that we are doing for our farmers, I mean, they have kept faith with the country. And, and I don't think that if there's a, you know, a, a bit of a problem and so farmers are saying that, oh, they want to be selling their... That is not the way to go. Okay. The way to go is to reform, which is what we are doing, to show faith with the farmers. We've just announced one of the biggest increase in producer price for our farmers. We've done all that. And this is an ample demonstration of the commitment of Ghana Cocoa Board to our dear farmers in this country. You heard then the Deputy Chief Executive in charge of Finance and Administration of Cocoa Board, Ray Ankara, there speaking earlier um, on the midday news. Well, we'll stay a while longer on issues relating to food and agriculture. Uh, but this evening, we are hearing from the General Agricultural Workers Union. And for them, they are predicting a massive food shortage in the coming months as several hectares of farms and livestock are swept away by floods in parts of the Volta region, Eastern region, Greater Accra, Savannah, and the Bono regions. Well, this is in spite of an assurance uh, from the agric minister that the current situation is not a threat to our food security. The overflow of the Volta Lake and over three weeks spillage of the Akosombo and Bond Dams have led to the loss of millions of investments. Now, Carl Awoyi is a peasant farmer at Sokwe in the South Tong district of the Volta region. He tells Joe News uh, he has over six acres of farmlands currently affected. I did one acre of carrot, which is one, only one month old, one acre of okra is also six weeks old. Cassava is just a three month old. Cassava is two acres. Half, half acre of maize, which have been submerged as well. I did uh, one acre of granite, which also submerged. And also my pigree, I was able to relocate the pigs within 48 hours. I relocated them. But that want to their feed have been flooded so i couldn't pick any of the feet in the stores also i have a plantain plantation also one acre if you quantify all of this personally for this season how much in total are you losing in total i am losing close to twenty thousand. that is the seed money that's the money that i invested into it majority of our farmers are psychologically traumatized because your, your hope everything is there i mean your hope what you eat in the house your electricity bill any other bill that associated to any other person that is where we get our things from 
Well, that's um, a way there. Um, a peasant farmer at Sukbe. Well, in the Pung, Kusi, and Kunsumbo area, several hectares of rice farms and fish ponds running into millions of CDs have also been swept away. Well, uh, Charles Nyaba is executive director of the Peasant Farmers Association of Ghana. We found that you go to some communities, the entire communities have been submerged. The rice farms, maize farms, numbering 5,000 hectares. Investment were 36 million Ghana cities. And then if they were to harvest those produce, we did a calculation. It brought revenue of 60,000 Ghana cities were also matched uh, by the flooding. Now, the same areas, some of the farmers who are into fish, tilapia, about 48 million Ghana cities worth of tilapia cages have been taken away by the flooding. So this tells you the extent of the impact that it will have on us from now on to next year. So it has really affected us massively. We are now just thinking of how we are going to recover from this effect. Well, in Peru East, uh, the rise in the water lake has also flooded farmlands and displaced thousands. A fisherman has also not been able to engage in regular activities. He's been speaking to us. I trade in fish. My husband is also a fisherman. For months, we haven't been able to go to the lake. We beg before we eat. So that's a, a resident there in Pru, um, talking about uh, the plight of fisher folks in that area as well. And I'm sure you get the picture now. Well, those are examples of devastation caused by floods in farming communities across the country. We'll get to hear uh, from the farmer groups um, on this um, shortly uh, also, because we know earlier that the Minister for Food and Agriculture, Brian A. Champong, uh, mentioned that he directed that $40 million of the World Bank-funded Food Systems Resilience Program be structured to restore farmers who've lost to their farms due to the flooding. He also says the destruction of these farmlands will not trigger any food crisis in the country. Listen. I have directed that they should restructure $40 million out of this to restore all the farmers in the Volta region along the uh, rivers path and in the eastern region all those farmers that suffered uh, the devastation effect of the, of the spillage uh, of their farms. How is this going to be done? How soon is this going to take place? Whenever the river subsides, we will go in, identify the farmers, restore them by uh, land development, giving them seeds, giving them fertilizers, giving them proper agronomic practices to restore them to where they were before the spillage. We need that food as part of our uh, food stock and we're going to do everything to ensure that farmers that have been affected by the uh, spillage are restored back to the situation before the spillage. Is this flood igniting any fear of a possible food crisis in the country? What is your immediate worry as a ministry? The, the challenges that we are, we are facing there will not in any way cause a, food, uh, a, a shortage of food security situation for us. So that's um, the Greek minister, um, Brian Champon, there, uh, insisting that there will be no food shortage. We've been hearing from Gao uh, on this. Um, they uh, insist that there could be um, a looming food shortage. The MP for the area, also Pru, has also been uh, raising concerns about a possible food shortage if nothing is really done about the situation. But it's a good time to get updates uh, on the on flooding the flood situation. Itself. Yeah, uh, And you know that there have been calls for VRA to compensate uh, affected individuals in the parts swept away by the floods following the spillage. Today we're learning uh, there has been a commitment to restore 
these individuals to what they used to be, at least through some form of compensation. But that has to be done after thorough assessment mm-hmm. of the level of damage. And the several houses and businesses, as you know, uh, have been swept away, livelihoods lost. Uh, an estimated 38,000 people have now been mm-hmm. misplaced. The Deputy Minister for Information, uh, Fatima Tu Abubakar, has been addressing the media on what government plans to do after all this. And my colleague, James Avaji, uh, is in a studio with me. He just returned a couple of hours ago from a press conference. Uh, first, let's start with the VRA. They've been given some updates on what they've been doing so far in terms of providing relief for the people. What more do we know? Yes, Evan. So, three key areas of the relief items is what they have been addressing. One is about how to get potable drinking water for the people. Two is about creating access route between Mepe and Bato. That they said they have been doing. And the third is about providing some 40 uh, mobile toilets for the people. Uh, the deputy chief in charge of uh, services and engineering engineer uh, Edward Obin Kenzo has been uh, addressing us, telling us what they are doing and the issue about, I mean, the 20 million Ghana cities they have earlier allocated to fight the flood. He also says that they are ready to top up that 20 million Ghana city should the need arise. We've given water. We've made sure there's enough water being supplied to these communities. Uh, as we speak today, Aveime water pump station, which was submerged in water, at least we provided new water, new pumping station to pump water to ensure water is restored to the, com- the community of Aveime. Uh, if you go to Mepe, at the Kins- K- uh, Kizito, uh, St. Kizito School, I've uh, also um, uh, set up a, a new uh, purifying system. That is a borehole system with a purifying um, uh, a filtration system to give, uh, to give the community uh, filtered water to drink. Today, because uh, uh, transportation across the Mepe area is a bit difficult, we've constructed a new uh, road from Mepe to Bato to allow access to Mepe. Uh, that road is about five kilometers. That one is also uh, done. And James, what about government's own commitment to the people? Yes, Evans, you know, that has been a part of the larger conversation about beyond the relief item, how do we restore the livelihood of the affected persons? The Deputy Minister for Information, Fatimatu Abubakar, says plans are in place to actually restore all of these livelihoods after the water has receded. Trying to rehabilitate the affected communities. All the ministries with their district offices in the affected communities are doing assessments. You know the water levels have not completely dropped. And all the assessments and the required support should be based on the data and science on the ground. Because today, until the water levels go very down and you are able to assess the extent of damage to property and quantify what people have lost, you may just speculate so we are faithful we are keeping faith with the data that will be provided after the water levels are completely down and the proper assessments are made 
Let me take you to Mepe, uh, which is one of the worst affected areas. My colleague Ivy Setoji is uh, there for us tonight. Ivy, you've been there today. Uh, the relief items you know have been coming in. What's what's uh, different tonight, especially in the areas where uh, people are taking shelter? Hello, Ivy. Okay, uh, we'll try and get Ivy's attention. And, and she's also been speaking. There's been some reactions on the ground to what we heard yesterday from the sanitation minister, exactly. who was uh, pointing, accusing fingers at the people there themselves that they refused to move after they've been sensitized and asked to do so. And a part of this tragedy is because of their own refusal to move. It, it, it's been received there with. Uh, quite some, some mixed reactions and some unhappy about that particular comment made by the sanitation minister ivy has been interacting with some of the residents I've also been hearing uh, from the mp uh, for the area um yesterday south tong mp uh, speaking about that a lot of residents have also been reacting chiefs and elders in the volta region and parts affected have also been speaking about the sanitation minister's comment but let's um try and get ivy settled attention there's been a lot of activity in the area Ivy, if you can hear us, um, Evans has been asking about uh, the relief items and what exactly is happening where you've been today. So I have been to Mepe, Bato, and I've also been to Central Tong, that is about recruitment, uh, where the displaced people uh, are so staying with uh, at the shelters provided for them. Uh, what some of them are asking is that uh, the food, so the drinks and uh, the relief items coming, some of them are not able to get it. Some of them are also asking for mattresses. They don't have enough mattresses. We visited some places in the night, last night, around 9.30 thereabouts, and we realized that some people were sleeping on the bare floor, including children. Uh, so these are the items they are asking government to do, uh, to provide for them and organizations. Uh, today, the education minister visited uh, the centers the various uh, safe heavens to uh, see how the school children are doing and then he promised that uh, they, they are doing their best to make sure that school children are comfortable and uh, in regards to education. Uh, a few minutes ago, Ibrahim Mahama of engineers and planners have donated four tracks, loads of relief items to uh, the people that have four districts. Uh, North Tong, South Tong, uh, Central Tong, Keta, and also Angloga districts, as well as Ketu South. Uh, so these are the things that have been happening today. Okay, and what about the reactions we are getting out to the sanitation minister's pronouncements if, yesterday? If I can hear you uh, correctly, uh, residents in, in this town, especially Mepe, uh, to this society, are not happy about the comments by uh, the Minister for Sanitation. Uh, they are saying that there was no prior engagement. There have not been enough education, public education for the people. And uh, it, it just came to them as a surprise. And especially those at the hinterlands, those are by the riverside, nothing of that sort was done. And it came to them as a surprise. So instead of them trying their best to make sure that uh, things are provided, special relief items, they empathize with them. Uh, what she said was was out of the point. She, she did not uh, do well by saying what she said. So uh, they, some of them are asking her to apologize uh, to the people of Mephes uh, and then the three-tongue district 
so that they can have that relief and uh, peace of mind because they are not really happy about her statement. Mm, thank you very much, Ivy. Uh, so listening to news tonight is on Joy 99.7 FM. Now, the Ghana Health Service is tonight investigating the passing of Nanao Bing, a 19-year-old second-year law student at the University of Ghana. At the Wayne Pollitt Clinic in Cape Coast, Nanao Bing's mother, Nellie Mills, said she brought her asthmatic son to the hospital to administer a nebulizer treatment to prevent an imminent asthmatic attack. However, she alleged that the medical staff administered an injection instead, which tragically led to her son's death shortly after. The Central Health Directorate says Nelly will have to wait for her answers after a thorough investigation and an autopsy scheduled to last for the next two weeks and we'll bring you that uh, tragic story uh, pretty shortly here on news night i'll be taking your views and comments also uh, on the stories that we've been bringing you so far here on news night and george Duffy will also join me pretty shortly with the latest from the world of business but uh, let me share with you a few of your thoughts on the stories we've had so far and let's uh, uh, look at the subject of uh, the former chief justice uh, justice atugubas uh, speech today uh, about the james education trial uh, he's described the outcome of that trial as scandalous uh, this one has no name coffee protocol says the mpp must know that their excesses alone don't anger Ghanaians, but their spirited defense of same is what makes us more angry, uh, he says. And another one from Seydou Konongo says, uh, Martin Luther King once said, an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. If the Supreme Court of the land can engage in unconstitutionality, then where else can we seek justice as citizens? That's Sekofi's thoughts there. And uh, also a final one from Sonny in Tema says, a man who is on a farm knows how production has been affected. He's saying uh, that would be hunger and a minister who is far in Accra is disputing it. A few of your thoughts on the stories we brought you so far. Uh, we'll bring you the full story of uh, Nelly Mills and the death of uh, her son right now. I don't think I don't think anybody feels the pain I'm going through. Nelly Mills is grieving. She's unable to pick herself up after witnessing her son's untimely death at the Irwin Polyclinic in Cape Coast. She tells me that her heart is in flames and nothing will douse it until she gets satisfactory answers from health authorities. He said, oh, ma, it's as if my asthma wants to. And I said, oh, but there's no news. Because if your symptoms wants to come, you've been using Ventolin all this while, and you have your Ventolin pump around here so just use it and he said that if he used to use nebulizer that would have been faster than the ventilator. a 19 year old son now being a second year law student at the university of ghana perished at the Ewin polyclinic while seeking to use a nebulizer to control his asthma nelly said although she wanted to stay with her son she rather chose to rush the pharmacy to buy a prescribed medicine but upon her return, Nana Obin's condition had deteriorated. When we got there, only for me to know that the medicine was seven cities. I thought I said, ah, seven cities. And they don't have it at the facility there. When we got there, I met my boy, vomiting. And I said, ah, what is happening? Then he got up, he became like a tent. 
So when I was shouting, they came to hold me that shoe. God, then my boy shouted that they've injected him. So I was asking, what injection? What injection? Nana is not here for injection. Who gave him the injection? Nelly sits on the favorite sofa her son used to occupy in the living room. She begs authorities to set her heart at ease by telling her why her son died. I went inside only to go and meet, again to meet my life, my boy lying there, lifeless. So I started shouting, hey, my boy is dead, oh, my boy is dead. Oh. I asked the cause of the death of my boy because I wanted, I needed to know. And they said, they don't deal with that. So we should go and put our complaints on the paper. Authorities at the Wim Polyclinic told Joy News that the Central Regional Health Directorate had ordered them not to speak to the media. Meanwhile, the Central Regional Health Director, Dr. Marion Oko Uusu, says a committee has been formed to investigate the cause of Nana Oben's death. An autopsy has also been done and results will be ready in two weeks. But until then, Nelly Mills will continue to stay in her son's favorite seat, hoping the outcome of the investigations will heal her aching heart. Well, that's that situation then. That's a story that we're following up on and we'll bring you details as and when uh, the autopsy report and the investigations are concluded. You're still listening to Newsnight here on Joy 99.7 FM. Um, to, still to come, the GA traditional counselling says shops must remain closed for at least 24 hours ahead of the final funeral rites of the late Queen Mother of the GA states, Nadede Omaidru III. The funeral will proceed full steam on Saturday, 28th October 2023. All commercial activities within Greater Accra will be suspended. Well, we have details as the council announces more restrictions, including the ban on noise making in the region until the funeral is concluded, but insists there is no curfew in place today. We have business. George, what do we have? Well, let me for coming up, banks fear the proposed euro bond debt restructuring could impact badly on the operations. Now, some players in the aviation industry pushes for a reduction in airport charges and taxes to aid tourism and passenger travels. The business news on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Kingdom Books and Stationery, Syntax Tanks and Pepsodent, Charcoal and Herbal. Hey, Ma, the way you're always getting alerts these days, I won't be surprised to hear that you have gotten a Momo for Business account by my next visit home. Oh, I'm already on Momo for Business. So. Ah, since when? Since, since. <laughs> Now, it's easy to apply for a merchant sim. All you need is a registered MTN number, your business certificate, your Ghana card, and you are good to go. Sir, you think you are the only one who knows what's up, eh? Look, I just dialed star 5051 hash, selected register, and the region I was requesting the sim from, and waited for my SMS with my reference number. You can even go online at momomerchantapplication.mtn .com.gh and complete the details for an even better experience. Hey, Grandma Momo. <laughs> Sign up for Momo for Business the easy and simple way. Just visit momomerchantapplication.mtn.com.gh or dial star 5051 hash and follow the prompts and be on your way to owning a Momo business account today for free. MTN. 
Hooray! The Kingdom Books and Stationery Limited's Back to School promotion is here with us once again. From the 4th of September to the 31st of October 2023, Kingdom Books and Stationery Limited is giving a generous 10% to 15% discount on all school items like textbooks, pens, pencils, erasers, exercise books, and so much more across all our branches in Accra, Tema, Kumasi, Takradi, Winnibai, and Cape Coast. Parents, teachers, and students, please hurry while stock lasts. For more information, call us on 0302-764-101 or 0302-764-209 or email info at kingdomgh.com. You can also visit our website, www.kingdomgh.com. Kingdom Books, where quality and affordability are both assured. Terms and conditions apply. For over 10 years, Old Mutual has been touching lives in Ghana. Whether you're a trader or a student, an entrepreneur or an employer or nearing your retirement, we have the right financial solutions tailored just for you. Contact Old Mutual on 030-7000-600 or visit our website on oldmutual.com.gh to learn more. And let's realize your financial freedom together. 10 years of greatness, here for a lifetime. Old Mutual, do great things every day. No matter your water needs, Syntex has it all. Syntex Tank was first to introduce double layer tank. And now you can have as many layers as you want. Syntex Tank was first to introduce white inner layer tanks in Ghana. And now introduces the customer specs order, which will let you order any color and size you want. Syntex Tanks gives you the biggest warranty of seven years, which no other tank gives you. So whatever your water consumption, size of project, or demand, choose Syntex Tank. Syntex Tank, stress-free. Syntex Tank, reliable. Syntex Tank, maximum guarantee. Call 0244-335-168. Kumasi, 0505-555-666. Or visit SyntexGH.com. Syntex Tank, a year strong, a year tough. you welcome back to business on news night now commercial banks fear the proposed euro bond debt restructuring could impact badly on their operations Finance Minister Kenneth Riata has announced up to 40% cut on the Eurobond principal and about 5% on the coupons. Now, this follows the domestic direction program, which hit the banks badly, resulting in some heavy losses for last year. John Ewa is chief executive of the Ghana Association of Banks. 
Beckert in the region that the minister put out in that interview is, is deep. As the governor said, I'm also sure that the banks may have taken a significant portion of their own assessment of what the potential haircut was going to be into their as to whether the, in the bank's assessment that haircut that they have taken is closer, anywhere closer to what the minister proposed is a question I cannot answer. I'm sure it is the government asked at the table at yeah, the moment yeah. and as negotiations go on to become clearer where, you know, whatever haircut they agree is going to be. You think that the, the impact would not be that grave? Of course, I mean, 30 to 40 percent on principal is, 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 is very steep, except to say that the size of the investment is not to the level that we had in the domestic debt exchange. Was the chief executive of the Ghana Association of Banks. Now, the country manager for Air France, Kale Mez van Ojik, is making a strong case for government to reduce airport charges to aid tourism and passenger travels. The country's manager for Air France, KLM's call, is coming at a time when passenger arrivals have crossed the pre pandemic levels. But speaking to Joy Business, Mr. Ojik says that the country could get more if these charges are reviewed say impact it's positively impact we are definitely back at full strength we see passengers numbers that are very very strong not just out of ghana but as a worldwide air france klm group when i tell you that we have really bounced back and are back at uh, or close to 2019 uh, pre-pandemic levels and ghana is no exception in that when i say that it means that ghana is doing equally well as compared to the peers across the world i remember in the past we had some airlines complain about the cost of operating out of Kotoka International Airport. Has the situation improved and how has the uptick in passenger numbers also impacted on that or is still a major challenge for carriers like yours? This is a very valid point and it remains. It's not a secret. Again, this is public information that Ghana, Accra Airport is amongst the most expensive in the world. Your cabinet is aware, your government is aware, your deputy minister is aware. I mean, there are reasons for it, but that's the fact. If we want to stimulate demand and tourism and business to Ghana, we'll critically have to review these airport charges also for our airline but this will benefit the industry as such country manager for air france klms van ojek now the director general of the ghana civil aviation authority that is charles greco is calling the civil aviation authorities within african sub-region to adopt modern air traffic safety following the rapid growth of air transport the authority in collaboration with the International Civil Aviation Organization is holding a four-day workshop on code for secondary surveillance. The engineer Charles Greco urged the players within the aviation industries to work together to develop safety standards that meet these objectives. The role of aviation authorities, air traffic management agencies and industry stakeholders is clear. We must ensure reliable and secure assignment of SSR mode S addresses and IACOS, we must work together to develop and implement standards, procedures, and technologies that meet these objectives. Let us remember that aviation is not just about technology and regulations. It is also about people. It is about the people and about the passengers who trust us to get them safely to their destinations. 
Charles Kweku is the Director General of the Ghana Civil Aviation Authority. The Acting Commissioner of the National Insurance Commission, Michael Ando, has stated that the Commission is resolved to increase insurance coverage to up to 60% by 2028. He has been speaking at the 2023 International Conference on Inclusive Insurance, co-hosted by the National Insurance Commission and its local partners. In the next five years, we are expecting to take this to about 60%. And this is the percentage of the population that is covered by insurance. We sometimes get obsessed with insurance penetration and understand that is how much money insurance is making. This is how many people is insurance protecting. Our current phase of inclusive insurance, we are looking at micro and small enterprises, the carpenters, the masons, the kiosk keepers. Of course, they form the majority of our population. They are the biggest employer in the system. They do run risks. It's just that we haven't addressed those risks. That's exactly what we are doing now. We are building the capacities of the insurance companies to design products for those people. Lando is the acting commissioner of the National Insurance Commission on Akrabi, where has launched the club Lager Cheers to Charles. It's first of its kind for the company. The initiative, according to the company, is a give back to the community as part of its social responsibility. Our brand's manager, Emuelala Odati, says that the company is poised to deepen its relationship with its customers. He's been speaking at the launch of this program at the North Kaneshi here in Accra. We can all attest to the challenges that we've been facing as Ghanaians. But then one thing that keeps us going is the support system of our friends and our chalice. And so we launched this campaign to celebrate that support system and to give our friends and our chalice the opportunity to help their families and their friends by winning 10,000 Ghana cities for them. And so the whole overview of this initiative is to celebrate friendship and also give an opportunity to support that unwavering relationships and connections that we have with our friends and family. And that is Emanuela Odamite. She is the brand's manager for Accra Brewery. And that's all uh, for talk about names. Interesting mm-hmm. discussion in the <laughs> studio. And, you know, it uh, makes me remember the, the former Supreme Court judge. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it yeah. Doce and Doce, you know? And, and there's another thing. Doce. Doce, sorry. There's another development <laughs> happening in the studio right now. And so uh, we'll uh, back to you, MFA <laughs> and Evans. Thank you very much. And you're still live here on News Night. It's on Joy 99.7 FM. Now, tonight, the Ghana Traditional Council says shops must close for at least 24 hours ahead of the final funeral rites of the late Queen Mother of the Gastate, Nadede Oma Edru III. The council initially said shops must be closed from the 26th October through to 31st October. However, that has been revised. Additionally, there's a partial ban on noise making in the region. That's just two of a number of restrictions that have been imposed in the region. Chief of Protocol and Communications at the office of the Ga Manche, Paka Alote, say they will not compromise on these restrictions. The funeral will proceed full steam and there will be no hindrances. We hereby announce that on Saturday, 28th October 2023, all commercial activities within Greater Accra will be suspended as a mark of solemn respect and final farewell to our beloved Queen. During this period of laying our great Queen to rest, we advise parents 
to ensure the safety of their children. And it is crucial in this respect to protect them from any harm, as some individuals may take advantage of the situation. We urge everyone to remain vigilant and safeguard the well-being of our younger ones during this sensitive time. The Motor Traffic Department of the Ghana Police will assist in managing traffic during the funeral period. Well, Chairperson of the Protocol Committee overseeing that funeral rights are equal to also says the rights will start on Wednesday with market women who will be in procession and present foodstuff to the government chair. On Wednesday, 25th October, market women in a procession will present foodstuffs and other items to the traditional council from 1 p.m. There will be cultural display music and dance and storytelling. On Thursday, 26 October 2023, the cultural display music and dance and storytelling with Asafuanyeme parading will continue. On Friday, the 27th of October 2023, we shall keep a vigil. This will start in the morning with Asafu companies displaying amidst the firing of musketry. Then from 6 p.m., the clergy will be here for a short service for the repose of the soul of Kamanye. There will also be viewing. The Asafuacheme and Asafuanyeme will continue cultural display, music and dance and storytelling throughout the night. On Saturday, the 28th October 2023, which is the burial day, there will be an interdenominational burial service, which will start from 9 a.m. to 11. After the service, there will be a traditional the traditional burial rites, which will involve the Asafuacheme, Asafuanyame companies parading the coffin through the principal streets of Accra under the direction of the Municipal Security Council and the MMTD. As we are all aware, burial of such royals are private matters. So that will come on at the end of the day. And that's a rich gar culture mm -hmm. on display. Uh, let's speak to the Chief of Protocol and Communications at the Office of the Government, Jepaka Alote, joins us right now. Hello, Mr. Alote, thanks for your time here on Newsnight. Welcome, my brother. Great. There's talk of a curfew. When does that curfew take effect? Well, there has been some apprehension about curfews throughout the week. But we have said that this is not so. However, whenever any royalty passes away, there are rites that are performed at night on the day of the burial. And it is not in anybody's interest to be in the street and to come and encounter the burial party. And therefore, or at least on that Saturday, we expect people to stay home with their families, enjoy the comfort of their, of their families and children and grandchildren, as we did during the COVID period. 
And I think many people rediscover their love during the COVID period by staying with their families. So maybe this gives us another opportunity to rediscover our love and our family life. And this is Saturday. Is this this very Saturday? Saturday? This very Saturday. Saturday evening. Specific time, when does that begin? When should people, when do you expect people to be home? Well, we, we think it is sensible to be home before dark. So what, 6 p.m. or 7? 6 onwards, yes. So for clarity, there isn't a curfew today, tonight, as people have speculated. There's this no, is... no curfew tonight, no. Okay. Uh, and you, you suggest almost that this is almost discretionary, that you, you know, you, people, it's, it's just the right thing to do to stay at home, you don't want to be at, at night. It is not compulsory, is it? Well, you know, when you walk in the streets, uh, especially as a stranger or as a tourist of a country, uh, you don't know what is going on, you may go into unnecessary problems. So I think we are advising that at a time like that, when rights are performed at night and it is not in your interest to come and encounter the parties, it's better to stay at home. This is just out of curiosity, um, as we learn about the rich gar culture. If you step out on the time and you see what's happening, what's what's the implication? What's the consequence of that? What will happen to you? Well, there are different stories about what had happened to people in the past. And uh, I'm not going to speculate as to what will happen this time. But it's been said by many elders, for example, that some people who defied this kind of uh, ban and encountered burial parties never lived beyond their year. I see. Which specific areas will be affected by this? Because, you know, Guy is a pretty, pretty huge geographic territory. Are you referring to the restrictions? Yes, that have been the, restri- the restrictions, areas where you expect people well, to stay home. every area under the jurisdiction of the Ghana Traditional Council which would include Gamashi and the satellite communities of the various, uh, the seven quarters, uh, uh, going to the various rural areas. Uh, So, fair to say, this will encompass the Accra metropolitan area broadly, Adabraka, Bukom, areas such as that. Would, Would that, for example, include, say, areas like East Ligon, airport yes and and even beyond because we are looking at places uh, to amasaman and uh Kaswa and so on and various mmcs and uh, uh, the mayor will also be uh, promoting announcements which will uh, clearly uh, delineate the areas and uh, remind people of the need to observe these uh, restrictions. And you also expect shops to be closed. And I, I believe shops in the central business district should also be closed from the... Well, what's shops your within the greater... I mean, the, the traditional council areas. Be, because we are exempting, as usual, uh, of course, pharmacies, uh, clinics, and uh, other emergency services, uh, people selling small on tables and so on 
And this starts when? Tomorrow morning? No, this is for Saturday. All of this, all of this for Saturday. Close all the shops as well. All of it for Saturday. And yeah. let's talk about security, um, because in in times like this, they, with everybody else asking questions, you have you stand the risk of people taking advantage of this to you know do all manner of things. What's the arrangement for this? Well, first of all, we are working in conjunction with the Regional Security Council, the Red Set. And uh, they will have people deployed. The, the MPT, they will also manage traffic in all areas to be used. And uh, generally, we expect that the personnel of the Regional Security Council who be uh, deployed in the various areas will also enhance security. Ms. Aloto, you are Oh, Obeshida. Thank you very much. That's uh, uh, Pakalo today uh, talking to us about the rich culture. And I know this will raise a few eyebrows, mm -hmm. but as they say, you are in when you're in Ga. You do what the gas do. You do what yeah. the gas do. And of course. Uh, but I'm curious observe. to hear from you out there, by the way. I'm curious to hear from you. Uh, 055 You have to close your shops. So please, it's you have to close interest. early today. Oh. No, it's a Saturday. Ah, okay. It's a Saturday. How about you have to prepare? It's a Saturday. So schools will go to school tomorrow. <laughs> the Saturday. Saturday. I'm you, exactly. you go to school. The children go to school on Saturday. <laughs> so your no Saturday, Saturday classes. Okay. Your kids go to school. So on Saturday. no work on Saturday. So we won't come to work on Saturday. You. you I'm I, think, I, I, I think he says there are exceptions. Exceptions. Yeah. So we will come. Yeah, you have to come right. Your team is working this weekend, so you work. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I would love to hear from you wherever you are tonight. Let's let's hear from you. But just before we go, um, it's time for our stories of hope. And imagine a Baba who does his work with dexterity with one hand. That's not all. He's also an athlete and a key member of Ghana's Paralympic team training for the Games in 2024. The story is one that evokes hope. Hope that regardless of one's condition, he or she can achieve anything with determination. Here's our stories of hope told by Hannah Odame. I to commit suicide because sometimes when you go out, people will be pointing hands on you. That was his best escape from the dejection, depression, and anxiety he felt because he had only one functioning hand. Amos Ahiaba narrates how and when that changed. When I was six years old, I went to cram a tree, and when I land, I couldn't land where so I hit. But the doctors confirmed that they are late, so they can't do anything about it unless they cut it. He forever thanks his teacher who discovered his athletic talent through a compulsory physical education session. He would suck everyone to the field. Me and I joined some groups to run, and it was shock. I became first. So since that day, he never jokes with me. A national coach, Ibrahim Aminu Suleiman, discovered Amos's talent at the Elwak Stadium in Accra. I came to this pre my talent here, and a coach told me, and he said, we wanted to train me so that I can become somebody in future. At dawn every weekday, Amos sharpens his talent by training. Then after, he works as a barber, a skill he learned by himself. Barbering, he says, helped him raise enough money to pay for his senior high school fees. When it's come for football, I'm inside. When it's come for athletics, I'm inside. And I'm also a school barber. So, they used to call me blessing because they think I can do all things by myself. I, I don't depend on anyone. Some of the students are DB. So if I see that you are DB, I'll charge you much. If I see, say, you're a hustle like me, I'll know how to. <laughs> 
So how much were you charging the bee? How much were you charging? The bee sometimes I took 20 CD from them. Amos recalled that he used to be discouraged by disparaging comments and reactions made towards him, but added those emotions no longer trigger him to give up. Sometimes people will just point hands on you and say, oh, by this time, cry, he went to store and they caught his son. And, and sometimes, cry, when you're walking and you want to call somebody for a direction, cry, the person might think that you are come to ask of help of money or something. So every day, I encourage myself that God will help me and always I steady be symbol and I want to also become a superstar like them. For people to also learn from my story, that no matter what the situation, when you help yourself, God is also going to help you too. The 100 and 200 track field runner has another wish. I wish if I get money, I could do artificial to support myself. For joinies, I am Hannah Odame. And that's our show 49. It's time for the geeks. And Pep is here. Hello, Good Pep. evening. Hi. You, hey, you have a pet name for you already. Um, you went away hey. for three weeks. Just three, three weeks. Three weeks is a long time. You couldn't wait. Uh, no. Hey. I, you know. Madam. Hello, oh, Pep. Oh, my people call me Pep. Hi. Hi. Okay. I call you Pep. <laughs> 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 I, I, I thought I wasn't people. No, you're not. You're special. Yeah. Eh? Hey. <laughs> you went away for three weeks. Okay. See. What's up, Pep? Yes, this evening we are going to continue our discussion on reporting cybercrime. I think last week where we got to, we left people in limbo, so we need to continue and make sure that they are clear on how to report issues that come up when they face any such things on cyber and we security. We are also experiencing uh, the the victims of that. And yeah. All that. So yeah. I think we'll, we'll get to address it as well. Okay. Stay can stay. Thank you.